since I retired, it's more than just the numbers, right? It's more than just the finances. You really have to think about what kind of life you want. Are you going to stay where you're at? Are you going to move somewhere? Are you going to travel? Or are you not going to travel? When I retired, everybody's like, aren't you traveling? And I'm like, no. Welcome to Personal Finance Cat, where I share my personal take on personal finance. Hi, Delene. Welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Great. To start with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I think you have a financial coach service for Gen Xers and the company's name is Elevate Finances. Can yes. you talk yeah. about what inspired you to create this company? You bet. You bet. So I, um, a year and a half ago, I was retiring. I put myself in a position to be able to retire at the age of 50. So that really empowered my, as I was getting ready to retire, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm 50. I still need to stay busy. Um, I was just done with the nine to five, right? And um, so that was ultimately why I stepped away. It wasn't anything to do with job or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, I need something to fill, you know, four to six hours in a day. I think that'd be perfect. So exploring opportunities. I'm an avid reader. So I thought, okay, what, you know, what does the library have? What do the schools have? Can I support them? And I realized that was still like on somebody else's schedule. And I came across the financial coach and I'm like, wow, this is really fascinating. You know, so it was new to me at that point. But I'm like, I had just completed my 15 year journey of specifically what financial coaches help you do. And I'm like, I just reached my financial dream. So this feeling is great. And I want to pass that along to others. So that is how Elevate Finances came to be. And then, yeah, I just got into, you know, some of the certifications that are out there, got into some support groups, really started learning like more specifics as to how to help coach, you know, through these things. I mean, I knew what I did. I knew how to do it. So really just broadening that um, coaching aspect of working with individuals and stuff. So yeah, that's how it came to be. Wow. Sounds great. Congratulations on retiring early. Thank you. So what uh, certification you obtained? I think you were saying that you looked into that and you obtained certain certifications. Yeah, so the AFCPE, which is just an American, it's a counseling sector, so you can do more than just coaching. And so I completed the exam, passed the exam, and then you have to do a thousand hours of client work. So I'm still in that, you know, collecting those hours to be able to be fully certified, but I am a member um, in the meantime. And so, yeah, it was it was great information to yeah get exposed beyond, you know, personal finance elements to understand like sometimes you might be looking at underlying problems that may be you know more severe and need to be you know turned over to a therapist or a counselor um who would deal with those specifics so it was really informative really really good and it's great to have support so as a membership you know with the forums with other coaches it's just so great to have that support cool but you did have a background in accounting and business administration, right? Prior to retirement. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did. So was that experience really helpful for you to get the certification or go on this path? Um, yeah. I mean, it was still, it, what was really tough was the counseling environment, you know? And so typically they're thinking people are going to come into your office. And so setting it up and location and all of that. So that was all new, but yeah, having, 
um, a numbers background. I love numbers. And for the last 15 years of my employment, so I worked in law enforcement for 32 years, um, just as support personnel in lots of different positions. And my last one was a finance manager. And ultimately, I was helping cops learn to budget. So taking their knowledge and their needs and turning it into numbers with them, putting it into the system. So I was really that Know, transition piece and help to them budget and understand understood it so lots of different personalities lots of different abilities i think that gave me you know a lot of in, um, experience as to what to expect with clients like different needs you know like i said the different abilities some are more creative some are more numbers and i learned to pick that out really quickly and those i was working with some of them would be like i'm never going to understand this and i'm like okay so give them the higher level right and so that's what i do with my clients i do the same thing i customize it if they want the detail and the nitty-gritty and to how to do it you know because that's what i did yeah let's do it but you don't have to you know creatives are more they just want it to flow and they just need some sort of organization and so being able to create that for them has been a lot of fun as well Cool, cool. It sounds like your focus is on Gen Xers, right? Why do you pick that particular demographic group? So I am a Gen Xer, but also they're in the last phase of their career, you know, headed to hopefully financial independence, right? That financial freedom. And so I just want to help them wrap it up, whether they've got five, 10, 15 years, you know, let's, let's help them get going so that they can really enjoy retirement. So Gotcha. What's interesting is that I hear a lot of personal finance experts, let's call it, talk about how you have to start early, right? Because the compound interest just works its magic through time. And then yeah. sometimes occasionally you would hear if you start late, especially if you start until your 50s or after, it's really hard because the curve is gone. You don't have that much runway to get to where you want to be. So how do you address that dilemma? yeah so um, i agree i agree with everything right like it's definitely taking advantage of that compound interest and that time i tell my daughter she's in her early 20s and i'm like you can get in for less right now than if you wait till later you know and just recognizing it but those yeah individuals that have come to me usually they've all at least been able to save something so there is something there but my what i direct them to is the next focus is to get rid of debt because debt can immediately decrease the demand of your income and so as you go into retirement you have less demand on your retirement income and so i think it's a great way to segue and focus still encouraging that savings but you know getting rid of that debt instead of having maybe fifteen hundred dollars that might include mortgage and who know you know vehicle or whatever else and you get rid of that um then that's that's bigger than what you could probably save and compound but yeah still getting them in there to compound what they can keep that going um, and making that all, you know, all those shifts. And really, I help them look at that perspective and see what that looks like and what it could be for them. You know, that's what I did as I was getting ready to retire. I have my budget, but I created a retirement budget. You know, here's what I expect. Here's what it'll be. Because when I retired, I took a 40% cut in pay. So I had to make sure that I was going to be able to survive on my income. And so creating a budget you know can help you plan for that so i love i love doing that i love forecasting and looking ahead so i think that's another reason why i picked gen xers is just to help them look ahead 
help them get excited and realize that, you know, yeah, you can maybe retire from your full time, but if things don't match up, you may have to go get a part time job. But let's go do something that, you know, as we get older, that you can still support, you can still enjoy, you can still do, and it's not as heavy and demanding. So, yeah, it makes sense. Besides what you just talked about, what are some of the more specific strategies for Gen Xers who maybe don't have that much time to wait for the money to compound? Because, you know, the typical wisdom is you put 10, 20% aside each paycheck, but because they have limited time left, and if assuming they don't have much in their savings right now, do you have other mm -hmm. recommendations besides what you talked about, maybe take another less demanding job, sort of in a semi retirement stage and pay off their debt? What are some of the other unique strategies for this group? Oh, you know, so they're going to have to end up balancing because they might still have student loans um, or with their children. So they're really going to have to start looking at the boundaries that they have. So I really help them start addressing that and and looking at what they really want to do, but what they really can do so that it doesn't have that impact in the, you know, in the future, like they're able to do it. Let's, you know, explore it because we all want to take care of our kiddos. We all want them, you know, to, you know, to be surviving and doing well, but yet we can't do it at the, you know, what's going to happen to us type of thing, because then that forces that onto them. And I think there's a lot of people that don't realize, well, if I just stay in this thing, my kids will be taken care of. But yet, you know, most states, when you pass, they take on everything that you have. So in one way or shape, you know, so, you know, really get having start looking at boundaries, have them start looking at, you know, sometimes relocation may be, Downsizing might be, you know, there's lots of different ways they can explore to, you know, really start fitting into that budget. But until you have a current budget, there's no way to move forward. So, yeah. What is your definition of financial freedom? Because I think on your website, you mentioned that you want to help the people, the Gen Xers, to reach financial freedom, even though maybe for some of them, it seemed to be such a faraway goal. So, what is that that you're trying to help your clients achieve? I, it's meaning getting paid without having to go to work. Okay. You know, it's, it's, that's ultimately what it is. My husband's like, we just have to wake up every day and we get a paycheck, you know, and that's honestly true, at least as far as our pensions and stuff. So, you know, that's what getting to where they can explore and do. So both he and I are retired, but both he and I work. I, as an entrepreneur, he is a part-timer, but it's chosen work. It's chosen hours, it's chosen duties, and that's freedom right? That's freedom mm -hmm. within itself as well. And so having that financial independence, where everything is already covered, I mean, we're not wealthy right now, we are in, I told I was talking to him yesterday, I'm like, we're kind of in a pause mode, because neither one of us can talk, can touch our 401ks yet. So we're in a lower, like we make less than we did when we worked. But in nine, 10 years, that's going to change. So we're kind of in this lower, wealthy for lack of a better word right now and just pausing but enjoying it but yet we're still financially independent so right now we're lean and eventually we'll be very fat and be able to have a lot more so gotcha and you also mentioned on your website that you've personally experienced the challenges of managing student loans car payments family expenses etc can you share some of the personal insights you gained during those times when you had to deal with these challenges yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I started on my journey to reach, you know, to be able to retire early. I was about the age 35. 
my daughter was still eight. So we still had all of the things. And so that's what I want to paint to people. It's not like, oh yeah, it was just very simple and easy. Um, I mean, it was a journey. It was 15 years for me and it took a lot of work. I did go and get my master's at the time. So yeah, I went into student loan and just when I took on debt, me and my husband took on debt, we always took on it as what we could afford, not what we could qualify for. So that, that those are two completely different things. And I don't know if some people understand that you can walk in somewhere and say, how much can I qualify for? But honestly, you may not be able to pay that much, you know? And um, so segueing through there, we've just managed our debt very well. Um, after I got done with my master's, I'm like, oh, should I do my doctorate? But my daughter was getting older and I'm like, I feel like we're taking away from her. And he's like, well, let's pause. So that's kind of what we did as we were exploring those different things. Um, and during that time, we'd helped my sister-in-law. She was single and had a child. And she says, will you please um, co-sign, but also get on the title so that if I pass, it'll go to my daughter and she won't be homeless. She won't, you know, won't go to anybody else. We're like, yeah, that'd be great. We'll take care of that. Well, we didn't expect her to pass soon and she did. And so when she did, we still had the mortgage. So instantly we have this extra demand on our income. Um, and so it's like, oh crap, what do we do? Right. And so we already had a budget for what we had going on and I just had to make it work. And my daughter, she's funny. She'll say, yeah, Back then, we couldn't even buy socks and underwear. I mean, so she observed like for about five, six months, we were in this time where we had to watch every single penny. So, you know, it's not just been a cakewalk for me. I've experienced a lot that everybody has. Um, it takes a lot of discipline, management, um, pausing sometimes, right? Like we had to pause and if we really needed socks and underwear, then we went and got them. It's just not, oh, we want something, you know? So just going through that journey, everybody will have that journey, um, you know, and so you just gotta just kind of expect it, but manage it as you go. So, you know, we still bought, we bought recreational properties. So we are able to invest in that. Then all the toys that come with it, right? You need the place to camp in, you need the place to ride to. So, you know, doing all of those things. So even though 15 years, yeah, I got focused, we still enjoyed life. We we still enjoyed our daughter, her growing up, her doing all the activities. But you know, if you just keep with, you know, keep your eyes on your numbers, you'll be able to do it. Yep, very well said. Thank you for sharing all that. I feel like yeah. people probably have that knowledge or awareness, but I feel like sometimes it's really the discipline that's the really hard part, and mindset too, right? Because yeah. you have these conflicting forces one might say, go live now, right? And then the other is like, mm -hmm. what about my future? So is one of the things that you help people with is to kind of change that mindset and that attitude and discipline? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So I love to paint this picture because I got into a fitness group and she kind of does the same thing with the fitness side of it. But think about yourself at 80. And what if you're a very young 80, you can still get out, you still want to go do all the things and you want to live, you know, you want us to live the high life as this 80 year old, you're not in a rest home yet, you're not crippled up, you're not sitting in the recliner all day. So you know, you've got to really respect yourself and respect your future self. So what am I going to want to do? How am I going to want to be when I'm 80? If I'm still so healthy, still so young, you know, I've got to be able to support myself. So I always try to tell people, you know, don't live such a high life now that when you're 80, you're living such a low life. If you kind of curb it just a little bit, right? I'm not saying 
that you can't, but just kind of make that middle ground and hopefully that middle ground will sustain you until until you're you know in the recliner or in the nursing home or whatever so yeah it is really easy to get caught up in the you know well i'm not gonna be able to retire oh yeah i'm not gonna you know live that long and you know but what if you do what if you do so i have an uncle who just turned 96 and his sister who will turn 98 and so and they're both still and about living on their own doing the things you know and so it's like being respectful of that i i said to my uncle i'm like did you plan to or i says did you expect to live this long he goes i never thought about it you know (laughs) neither his father nor nor his mother had that longevity but they do and we just don't know we just don't know so yeah that means you have good longevity genes that's good yeah 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 but it also goes to show right because nowadays a lot of people don't have pensions anymore and then it's the 401k type, which basically is what you contributed is what you are going to get out. So you have to be even more careful, right? Because pension, I think they pay you until you pass, basically. So I think those are very good points. Can you talk about some of the other misconceptions that people might have about retirement? Yeah, yeah. So since I, you know, retired, that it's more than just the numbers, right? It's more than just the finances, you really have to think about what kind of life you want, you know, are you going to stay where you're at? Are you going to move somewhere? Are you going to travel? Or are you not going to travel? And I don't, you know, when my dad retired, everybody thought he should go golfing. My dad was not a golfer, you know? And so when I retired, everybody's like, aren't you traveling? And I'm like, no, no, it's just not my one of my passions. But really identifying what it is you want to do within, you know, that extra time is so, so, so important. So you know, being prepared for that as well. And it may or may not be a huge financial demand, but hopefully if you're thinking about it and planning for it, you'll be able to do all that you want. But, um, and the other thing too, I think another big misconception as you were talking about 401s is I think a lot of people are like, okay, well, as soon as I retire, that's not gonna make any more money. But people have to remember that compound interest still goes. You may not be putting into it, but it will still grow, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm not a financial advisor, but I do understand the withdrawal, um, you know, and so being able to take what's out of it. And the important thing there is you have to have your budget so you know how much you're spending for a year so that you only have to quote sell or pull out of, you know, do a withdrawal out of your 401 once a year. And hopefully you can time it. I mean, that that we can time the market, but if you, you know, are living on your current year, you pull out another year, and you can pick that time when you're actually, you know, selling instead of selling every single month or every single, you know, two, you know, every two weeks or whatever, you just do it in once. And I think that some people don't understand that it's like, okay, just sell, let the rest of it grow, let it stay invested. I had a financial advisor on my podcast, and his episode has not aired yet. But he was explaining like three buckets and um which is what i do for expenses in the household finances so it was really interesting the same idea but he's like so you have a bucket of money for short term where you're living it's like five eight years right and then you have a medium growth bucket so it's going to sustain you for another you know 10 12 years or whatever and then you have your long-term bucket so even those are strategized still to help sustain you moving forward to help you know continue that flow coming in so that's great. That's great. Want to touch on the services that you provide specifically to your clients? 
I think on your website, you offer free clarity calls for people who are interested. What can people expect from such a call? Can you walk us through the usual consultation that you offer? Yeah, I'll just share with you um, a recent one I had. Uh, she called me. She wasn't really in any distress. Uh, she's like, we're doing okay. We're on track, I feel like. Um, but she's like, she was kind of in that place where I think a lot of people have this question, right? Should I pay off my debt with my savings I have, you know? And so I love to give people action steps. So I did. I gave her an action step. I said, okay, if you paid it all off and you freed up that payment money, how quickly before you could save that money again? And what is that time worth to you? And what do you feel like would happen during that time? So yeah, jumping on a clarity call, you don't have to be in distress. Um, if you have one question or if you're like, okay, well, this is what I'm kind of sitting with and what do you think? You know, I will try and poke around and give you an action step and help you, you know, see the next direction you can take and be like, oh, okay. So I, I love doing that. I love chatting with people, understanding what's going on, you know, out there. Um, in everybody's world, which I know is very hard to come to me and say, oh, hey, you know, especially if you're distressed or you're embarrassed or you're ashamed, but just understand that really I am just serving. I just want to help you get moving forward. So if you feel like you need something, you know, be picked up on your two feet, you know, call me and let's do it. Let's do it. So. Yeah. Cool. Cool. I'm curious what range of clients you see because I feel like maybe there are people who just feel like they can never retire or there are people who are almost there or people who can afford to retire but just maybe couldn't leave the job because they don't know what they want to do afterwards what kind of clients are the most typical or they're all over the place can you talk about that um yeah I can so honestly the common factor um, so not really with money, but the common factor has been um, single people. So divorced, whether they've been divorced in the last three years or one year or longer, and they're still trying to like almost play catch up from that situation. Mm. And so um, the, one, the one client I had in spring, it was like working with him and he, you know, understanding his debt continuation that was happening. He's like, my dad has paid it off twice. He told me there's something wrong. I got to find something different. And so I said, well, let's, let's explore and see what the true problem is. And it was actually his lease, you know? So it's like, okay, I know you're tied into that till this amount of time. So we build him a budget that was really scaled back, but he could sustain, he did for three months, sustain the budget. I said, and then now you know where you can make the effective changes. It's not about not spending anymore. And then helping him work through um, a scarcity mindset. He didn't believe in his worth. He wasn't seeking promotions or different careers, you know, to be able to make more money, which would also solve his problem. So I love to help, you know, clients with whatever it is that their struggle is. Um, yeah, I had a female, she'd been married over 40 years, retired, or I mean, divorced. And she's like, I need help managing money. It's been that long since I've even looked at it. And I'm like, okay. So coming out of this, you know, I don't want to say horrible marriage, but she had, she'd been controlled. And so she, money was her weapon back to him. So to help her get back into a healthy relationship with her money and also assure her she was going to be fine was, you know, just a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, and I had a new client. She was like, am I going to be okay to retire in like five years? I'm like, well, let's look. And most people don't know how to even just look at their numbers. You know, so I said, let's look at your numbers. Let's see what you've got going on. And she was actually in a great position. I'm like, you're going to be fine. 
So hers, hers stems from not financially, but it's more, well, what are we going to do? And how are we going to do it? And are we going to be able to, you know, because Gen Xers, we've been working for so long mm-hmm. and people are like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so I'd love to share my insights of, you know, go explore, go think about it, you know, try and find something that will fill that time. So. Yep. Yep. How do you usually acquire your clients? Do they reach out to you somehow or do you advertise? You know, they visit my website, uh, word of mouth referral partners. So that client I was telling you about from spring was from a financial advising firm. Financial advisors don't really have the bandwidth to help with debt reduction, debt, you know, pay off and all of that. So, you know, so just, a lot of different resources, mainly referral partner word of mouth right now, but you know, Instagram as well, where I'm hanging out, people go and, you know, look for help and that's, they come across. So they reach out. Gotcha. Maybe this is um, a bit of a personal question. I feel like for Gen Xers, money can be a taboo topic. So for example, I don't know, even for some very close relatives, how well positioned they are to retirement. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll hear words about, I don't think I can retire. But at the same time, I feel like they're not seeking out help necessarily. So I was just wondering, have you noticed that in your clients? And what do you think would be something that can help them overcome that kind of avoidance of this topic? Yeah, yeah. Getting into this, um, you know, this world, I was gonna say of the financial, they're people do not talk about money, right? It's a very, it's a very, I think it's even more taboo than sex. Like you get in a group, eventually they'll bring up a sex topic, right? After everybody's comfortable that they will never talk about money. So I do try to like in my content and then talking to people, I talk about, you need to have more money conversations. And it's not about, oh, how much do you make? That is not a money conversation. You can go as simply as, hey, where are you saving your money? Or what are you using for budgeting? Or have you heard about this? You know, and just starting these conversations. And I was very, very, very fortunate to have, so my parents were the silent generation, but they did talk about money if we asked about it, but they very made it very present. It was very, my mom sat at the dinner table and wrote out the bills. She was very obvious, you know, and she would engage in conversations. And even as we got older, she's, you know, they engaged in a lot more conversations if we were willing and open. And I, I think I was probably one of the siblings that did more of that. But I, you know, a challenge the younger generation, if like yourself, if you're finding that, like approach them, because honestly, you do need to know, are, are you going to be okay? Are things, you know, are you prepared, whether they feel like they can retire or not? like their care and their safety and financial security ultimately is going to fall on family right in one way shape or form and so i don't think there's anything wrong and it might feel uncomfortable at first right like hey mom dad do you guys have a plan like what do i need to know or what do siblings need to know in you know moving forward so i i was the executor and again my parents were very good so i i knew i knew for about 15, 20 years before they passed, you know, exactly their financial situation. And so um, I was fortunate, but I know there's other people that it's very closed off and very, you know, very guarded, um, probably because of shame and embarrassment, but there's not the knowledge out there. And um, I've done a lot of, you know, guest interviewing the last couple of weeks. And it seems like the younger generation really wanting to talk about it. They're really wanting to 
you know, and really they're having great money conversations. They're talking about it in such a healthy way and not about, oh, hey, how much you make in an hour? And I think they eventually get there, which I think is great. Um, but yet just learning that there's more to money than just the, your, your, I'm not even your value, your hourly wage or your monthly income or whatever. There's more to money than that. And just helping your parents maybe realize that and realize there's more to life than just work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I highly suggest when you can retire, do it, you know, and I was, as I was approaching it, so my mom had passed, it was at her um, funeral luncheon. And I said to my nephew, I'm thinking about it. Now he's six years younger than me. Like, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. But what if it doesn't work? I kind of said to him, he goes, hey, go back and get another job. And I'm like, oh, well, you made that so simple, right? So I think we so get so in our head that if we do talk to somebody else, they can make it so simple for us, you know? Yeah, so. that's great. What are some of the resources that we can share with them, maybe make them feel more comfortable? Because I don't want to make them feel like I'm lecturing them or anything like that, right? Right. I think your right. podcast sounds like it would be a really great resource. Do you focus on Gen Xers or what are your topics? So, I mean, I do very basic topics. So it's for anybody, but I do talk about Gen Xers. We are the sandwich generation, right? We still have kids maybe at home or in college that we're supporting and we have the aging parents. And which I think every generation will eventually get there, but right now we're in that position. And um, recognizing like what your true challenges are, where you're at, where your financial challenges are coming from, and then just exploring solutions for that. So, you know, maybe you're not gonna be able to give as much support to your children as you had hoped or you thought, but also that's where that conversation starts, right? hey, you know, and don't ever do it like, well, you don't have the money, just say you're going to have to start covering these things. And um, so I really share a lot of like what I did with my daughter. And then I talk about like my parents. And I did an episode that was really about the financial events and the financial products that came out during during the times that we have been alive. So 1965, um, until the current and the reason that Gen Xers did not fully understand retirement savings It's all of that was new in the time we were born, right? We were existing. And so our parents didn't know about it. So we didn't get taught by them. And I share that because so like 401s, SEPs, IRAs, all of those came out in like the 50s, 60s. So, you know, it's like, oh, gosh. And then in the 90s, I remember the Roth came out it was brand new. And I'm like, what is this? That sounds hokey, you know? And so trying to get that buy-in from somebody who's like this new product, that means all these things. And what is that? Like, you know, the reasons they were giving me just didn't make sense because I had parents in that situation and what they were saying, well, you know, you won't have to pay as much taxes. I'm like, my parents don't pay very much taxes at all. So I don't, you know, they never aligned it with me, which is fine. So I think that's part of why like Gen Xers struggle is, we didn't have that pass on. And so I think they're really just starting to learn, starting to explore. But yet the millennials, right, who have had interest, they understand it. They see it. They know. Um, and so trying to do it on their own. And I think that's great. So it's trying to get those Gen Xers to, you know, understand that it's not gambling. I know that there's a lot of people that are still in that mindset. Oh, why would I want to do that? Okay, well, let me show you. It's, 
historically it's going to make you money and you've got to be in for the long game as well you know mm -hmm. so you know it's just yeah so i do try to target a lot of different um challenges that we expect that we have and um, but sometimes it can be pertinent to any age so which would you think is more effective learning sort of through because there are a lot of resources out there right podcasts books youtube yeah. or a more personalized approach like talking to a coach like yourself or a combination what do you think so um my journey i did it all on my own right um and i did but you have to have a budget and so if you're struggling with that and you've struggled with that for years a financial coach can get you there more quickly mm -hmm. i mean you can spend all the time learning and you can get there but more quickly you can with a coach um so I really used, I budgeted, I tracked it, I refined it, you know, I developed goals in it. Um, and then, but the biggest step for me was really the financial literacy piece and learning about all of those other elements that impact us, right? Insurance, um, taxes, employer benefits, you know, understanding those and taking full advantage of all of that, you know, not paying out a lot of money for, you know, assurances that you don't really need. And so, uh, you know, if you want to do it yourself, you can, and it's, you know, and go and do it. Podcasts were not big, blogs were big. So I read blog after blog after blog. Um, I read some finance books. I really got into the, um, it was frugalism at the time, thrifty, you know, and so I got into that and I was like, what are these people doing? And does it make sense for me? And could I do it? And so, you know, exploring all those different aspects of money, whether you're going to actually do it or not, but it gives you ideas, it gives you education, gives you understanding. So when we had that extra mortgage land in our laps, right, immediately, I was like, oh my gosh. So I, I had to go to what I had learned in that um, thrifty community. I'm like, okay, they do these different things. So I just started doing those, you know, and some of them I still do today because they're not a big deal anymore. So, you know, you can't pass off anything. So yeah, podcasts, books, um, but the biggest thing is you can consume a lot, you still have to take action, right? Yes. So that's why I would pick an area of your finances that you wanna improve, whether, it, like I said, it's taxes or insurance, or even like, okay, we're spending way too much here, how can I be better about it? And go see what other people are saying about it and doing and, you know, if it's going to work for you and just then apply it, I would do that. I would just exhaust that one topic and then I'd move on to another one and I just keep going. And that's what improved everything for me. So yeah, I hope that's helpful. But, yeah, that's so, helpful. you know, yeah, yeah. A coach is just going to help you get there more quickly and be that accountability partner, right? Be like, did you do this? Well, what's your struggle and help you find a different way more quickly. That would be the only difference. So, yeah. When you say thrifty group, what did you mean? Is it like the FIRE community, financial independence, retire early? No? No. So thrifty was like minimalism is now. So they oh, kind of okay. segued and called themselves minimalism now, but they were the thrifty and frugal, frugality, all of that. Yeah. And they've just changed names. So minimalism and maybe oh, yeah. what is the other? Homesteaders. I think homesteaders would fit oh. in there now. So, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of this uh, by nothing group it's probably a website or a facebook group where people just try to get things for free right they would just you know oh, look out yeah. for what other people are donating or getting rid of 
they would yeah. just get it from there. So I think the fire yeah. community uses that a lot because a lot of the mm-hmm. want to retire early, they would also mm-hmm. be very, very thrifty because their goal is to save 50, 70, even 90% of their income. Right. Yeah. Right. Talking about retire early, right? I think retiring at 50 mm-hmm. is pretty early. You said when you were 35, you kind of made that decision that you wanted to retire at 50. So why was that so important to you? And did you know that you were going to do something else after retirement? Can you talk about that? No. Yeah. So at that age, I had just, I had just changed agencies. So I'd gone from city department to county department. And I'm like, okay, I did 17 years there. I could do 17 here. And I'm like, wait, that puts me over my number of years. Right. And I'm like, really in 15 years, I could retire early, you know? And so that was how the realization came to be. And I'm like, okay, if that's an option, I'm going to work towards it. Whether I choose it or not at that time, that's what I'm going to do. So new, knowing that when I stepped away, I'd take that 40% cut in pay. That's what I worked towards. I saved, um, I saved appropriately too. So 401s, yes, we have, and we can't touch them until we're 59 and a half, but we also have other investments that we can dip into between this age gap as well. So, you know, retiring early, you have to understand where to save and the best to save so that you can get access to it when you're wanting to retire. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's how it, that's how my little aha moment came to be. And I just started working from there. Okay. So is the early retirement kind of an option for the city job type that you have worked on? Yeah. So minimum of 30 years. And so I did 32 and then they give you 60% of your highest three years. And that's the pension part. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then how did you decide to get into this industry you're in now, which is financial coaching? Um, That's when I was trying exploring, you know, like, I was like, what am I going to do? I need something to do part of my day. And I came across it and I just loved it. Um, there's a financial coaches group. Uh, there's a financial coach. She's been active for 15 years. So she's kind of like the driving force of it in a way um, and just kind of bloomed from there. And so, yeah, I just, I didn't know I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but it's like everything kind of lined up. It's like, okay, I want to just, you know, be on my schedule, my time, my thing. I've had, what, three offers since I've left as I've been, you know, um, networking with referral partners. They're like, Hey, do you want to come work for us? I'm like, mm-hmm. Nope, Nope. I don't want to be on somebody else's timeline. So mm-hmm. yeah. So what are the most rewarding things you experienced for this entrepreneurship journey? Oh gosh. You know, learning how to be a marketer has been like my biggest area of growth because mm-hmm. you know, we never had to market in law enforcement. So I was never <laughs> exposed to it other than on the receiving end, right? The advertising and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really also like making some connections. So I've been networking from day one and I have a biz bestie. She's clear across the United States from me. Uh, we've never met in person, but we meet weekly. You know, we meet three times a week and then I have a soul sister in California. Same thing. It's just meeting these wonderful people and just they become better, greater connections than um, just, oh, I reached out. Hey, that was great. You know, no, we, we like felt something more. And so we stay in contact, support one another. So it's almost like your coworkers, but mm-hmm. not in your same space. So I have loved that part of the journey. Oh, that's great. So you said soul sister. Is that just a nickname or <laughs> the name of the Yeah, word? so 
I have my biz bestie, then I have my soul biz sister. Bestie, she's yeah. About, mm -hmm. yeah, she's about, I don't know, 15, 20 years younger than me, but we are like sisters from another mother, you know, another. <laughs> and so then I have a mastermind sister, like we had connected. Yeah. And then I connected with her again. She's like, hey, do you want to put a mastermind together? I'm like, sure, you know? And so it's like just how these connections just blossom almost mm -hmm. that quickly. And just, yeah, so they're just, they're just deeper in the heart connections than just, yeah. oh yeah, I met her, she was really nice. It's like, no, she's like my soul sister, you know? Right, right. No, she's my yeah. partner. Right, so you met these people through, you said mastermind, maybe some other business events. Is that how you um, and no, just through networking. So coffee chats or, you know, oh. you reach out and get on a coffee chat with somebody and just visit with them, learn about their business and to oh. support one another. And so, yeah, I've done probably 50 or more over the last year and just reaching oh. out and getting to know people and, you know, yeah. Nice. Nice. That's great. On the flip side, what's the biggest challenge you have encountered since you started your financial coaching business? Uh, <laughs> it's it's that taboo area. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it that. It's getting people to um, feel safe enough to get on a call with me and just chat. Um, I get a lot of them where they'll schedule a call and then they'll cancel, you know, and then it'll be a repeat in a couple months. And so, just trying to um, create content for people to understand me and know me so that they can trust me and feel, you know, feel safe and comfortable and, you know, spilling their life out. So that's why I try to say, you know, I don't, honestly, working a, with a, me as a financial coach, I don't care what you did in the past. I take it from this screenshot that we have from today. And I, I, there's no judgment because to me, it's a puzzle. It's like, oh, okay, you want to make this do what? All right, let's do it. You know, and so I see it as a challenge that way, but it's exciting for me. And I'm like, let's go for it, you know? So I don't ever say, ah, oh, well, what have you done? And oh my gosh, what happened here? Because honestly, it doesn't matter, right? They've come to me, they want change and we just got to move forward, so. That's great. All right, two last questions for you. Do you have a book recommendation for people who want to learn more about personal finances or just how to improve life in general? Yeah, so my favorite one for finance is called Financial Freedom. And it's Grant Sabier, but he does it in such uh, small nuggets that I think it makes it very practical and understandable. Um, in fact, after I read it, I made my daughter read it. I'm like, you have to read this. And so I think it's very digestible and anybody could probably learn from it. Whether you think you're gonna be financially free or not, it's great in setting up the basis and understanding what the path looks like, you know, and getting through your journey. And then lastly, where can people find more about you? Yeah, so visit my website, um, elevatefinances.us or Instagram um, at elevate, elevate underscore finances. And I have a Facebook group, All Things Personal Finance. So we get in there and we get, that one gets a little more uh, value, education-based, you know, that teaching style is in there. So if you're looking for that, that's where you'd find me. But if you want to learn more about me on Instagram and then check out my podcast, Wealthy After 40 and yeah, listen to how I, why I think certain things about certain topics. Right. So, yeah. All right. Great. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Delene. I really enjoyed yes. our conversation. Yeah. Thank you. I did as well.